Happy Thanksgiving, Carl and Dee. We have one of our favorite Hi. guests today. Hi. We have one of our favorite guests, Dia, who has enough time because she's home to talk to us about her new book. We'll talk to our friend Dia Hoover about her new book about Hannibal, Missouri next. Around minute 38, we'll talk Knives Out, Glass Onion on Netflix and in theaters. Around minute 47, The Fablemans. Around minute 55, Strange World by Disney. Around minute 59, we'll talk A Christmas Story Christmas. And then around one hour and six minutes, The People We Hate at the Wedding. Hi, Dia. Hi, Lynn and Carl. Thanks so much for having me. I am Thanksgiving week is in town for me. All my folks are getting ready for their families to come in. So I'm so glad this worked out for the three of us to get together right now. Because once I'm... Christmas starts, that's the fifth season in tourism. Oh, I know. And I, I, I'm i overjoyed that we could make this because you have been so many places. Uh, the travel biz is back in full force. Dia runs the Are We There Yet travel agency in town a tour operations i should say and also uh she acquired discover st louis so besides your books the st louis scavenger the ultimate guide to st louis is hidden treasures which is still available and a lovely stocking stuffer you have a new book hannibal a walk through history so that is available at uh, bookstores and online. Is that correct? It is. And you can even order it from me and I will sign it for you. You can do a porch pickup over here on the hill. How wonderful. And I've been to your abode and I know it's easily accessible. It's right, right near Joey B's. So if you, if you know where Joey B's is, you just turn. Yes. Carl is on the road. So fitting when we're talking I to did. you. I did. I wanted to know who won the scavenger hunt. Because it was a contest. It was a contest. And what was so funny about it is it was a mom. And her. she told her family they could do it for themselves. But they did not. And so she submitted it and won the $500 of cold, hard cash. Wow. Yes, good for her. It was great. I hope she's spending it on something fun, doing what she wants to do. Yes. And that was really fun. It was also very hard. Because it I was turned, very hard. Yes, there were some tricky was. ones. I'd put some tricky ones in. Yeah, but you included the Illinois side, which was awesome because being an Illinois native, I appreciated that. Especially oh. you had my hometown of Belleville, plus Edwardsville, yes. plus Alton, which is a mecca of history. Yes, it is. So much, it was hard to decide what to include. So Hannibal, a walk through history. What besides Mark Twain does Hannibal have for me to go there? Well, I'm going to tell you one of the latest things that I had no idea about. And when I was speaking to my family, they didn't have any idea about was the new Sodalis trail. They discovered the Sodalis, the Myota Sodalis bat in the limestone quarry. So Missouri is the cave state, which we all know that. And we do have caves. Of course, there's Mark Twain Cave, which is on <clears throat> the path in one of the seven paths in this walking tour book. But the Sodalis Trail was part of the old limestone quarry because Missouri has limestone all along the Eastern Corridor. Illinois got all the flat alluvial rich farm soil and we have the, the limestone, which is still exported out of Missouri at a million dollars or more a year. <clears throat> so they had they had 
cut out all of the bluffs to get the limestone. And it kind of made a faux cave, right? Well, this woman who is the head of the bat census for Missouri thought, you know, we used to run around there when we were kids and go play in the quarry. I wonder if there are bats there. So they came to do the Missouri bat census. They found this Myotis sodalis, which is only supposed to be south of the Missouri River. So obviously it's north of the Missouri River by quite a bit. And these bats have, have habitated there. And on top of it, they have not been found to have the white nose syndrome. So, you know, the bats down in Austin, Texas, under the bridge that have been suffering from that, and they're very concerned about the bat population that has not been found yet in Hannibal in the, in the Myotis sodalis population or the Indiana gray bat population. And they're thinking because there's technically a back to the cave, right? Because it was hollowed out by the machines to get the limestone. So there's possibly air current. They don't know if that's what it is, but something's, something's working there so these bats can thrive. And they do a bat count every year. And what's funny, the high school teacher who does it, he is, he is the um, cousin of my office manager and very good friend Maggie's brother, so brother-in-law. So anyway, so Quentin does the bat census. So that's really exciting. And another thing I really want to unearth, people forget that Molly Brown grew up in Hannibal. That is right. And Erin yes. Kelly, the actress Erin Kelly, she does a show for about Molly Brown. That's funny. You should say that because she's performing for our group December 5th on the way home from our Omaha Christmas tour. She's going to meet us at the Hannibal Country Club at lunch and perform. Well, she's a wonderful person. So tell Erin Kelly I said hello. She is a St. Louis Theater Circle nominee. Yes, yes, yes. And she, her, she and her husband had the Avalon when she was in St. Louis. Yeah. Work together there. So I've gotten to know her because she became a tour guide with Gail Rubley and Hannibal. Because just like in St. Louis, the American Cruise Line, the American Queen, and the Viking boat stop. So I've been, you know, giving them any expertise that I could give them. It's hard, you know, but to help them out with with doing the tour. So I've gotten to know Erin with that too. And she was great helping me with the book. She and Gail too. Wonderful. How wonderful. Well, the first musical I was ever in in high school was the unsinkable Molly Brown. Really? Yes. So fun fact. So I am familiar with Molly Brown, but to those who aren't, tell them the Molly Brown story. So none of it you've seen in the play or the movies is even remotely correct. <laughs> just just to clear the record. She did she was never the Titanic, I, though. She was never called Molly. That was the newspaper headline that that journalist wrote, you know, the unsinkable Molly Brown when she saved everybody off the Titanic. She was always Maggie. <laughs> she was either Maggie or Margaret. Nobody called her Molly. Oh, no. I know. She did not float down the river in a basket like Moses. <laughs> she, none of that. she was a poor Irish immigrant that lived up in Dankler's Alley, which is where they have her house. And she was one of the girls, because what did the young girls do? You either a book binder or a shirt waist maker, because you had small hands, you could do the buttons. And she, she worked and she actually didn't do either of those things. She stripped tobacco leaves for the Garth tobacco company and if you're familiar with the garth mansion that's where the money came from the tobacco stripping so that's what she did and then she she was much younger than mark twain or sam clemens right but the story goes true i don't know but this is the story that is there is is she met him when she was a waitress at the park hotel and he said go west there's gold 
And she did. And she and her husband struck a vein of gold and she became this super wealthy woman who was incredibly generous. And she was on the Titanic because they were that rich. So she went from tobacco shipping Irish immigrant girl to gold, you know, gold mine, gold miner. So she had an incredible story. So then here's the other interesting thing that I found, because I had to find a bunch of other women in Hannibal, not just one, right? To have a walking trail to go by their locations. So Faye Dant has the Huck Finn uh, Journey to Freedom Museum about the African-American story in Hannibal. And I had found this on the website and I called her and Julia Greeley was an enslaved woman that was out on a plantation. She came through Hannibal, worked for a white woman down in St. Louis, moved to Denver, was a devout Catholic, and she's up for sainthood. Oh, my God. <laughs> Isn't that something? And she would go through the streets in Denver after dark to give the impoverished people food, clothes, things for their kids, because all of these women were there because their men were looking for gold. And if you didn't strike gold, you didn't have any money. And she knew they would be too ashamed to take any charity from a woman of color. So that's why she did it after dark. And she pulled her red wagon through those neighborhoods to help them. And so now the, um, the guild, the Franciscan guild that has been created for her, they have a newsletter called the little red wagon. And I actually talked to, to the priest that wrote the book about her life. So he was very excited. He sent me an email while I was writing. He's like, give me a call when you get this. And I called him. He said, that's the fastest return phone call from an email I've ever had. Oh, no. <laughs> but it's just so cool. I found so many amazing things that nobody, and like my mom's been selling my book in her store. You know, she's still running Vandalia Firestone and Appliance in Vandalia, Missouri. And so several people have been buying them as gifts because they buy the book and they're like, I didn't know that about Hannibal. We always just went there to go shopping, you know, because it's 30 miles from where I grew up. And of course, I was born there because it had a hospital. I was born in St. Elizabeth. My birth certificate says born in Hannibal Mo. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, you've got a lot of history to unearth. I know Hannibal through the YMCA has a major swimming tournament because they have a great pool up there. And I've been there many times and spent the night to go watch my daughter swim. I hope you uh -huh. had a warm, welcoming experience and some good food. Well, they have a great microbrewery up there. They have uh -huh. more than one, actually. And I I have enjoyed their micro-pub food. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, Hannibal is, is a, an in, incredible place for international visitors as well as national. And that's one of the things I put in the front cover of the book. They used to put in the paper how many people visited Hannibal a month and what countries and states they were from. So it's kind of exciting because we don't think like even growing up near Hannibal, we didn't think much of it. But when you go to the bed and breakfast and you see people from the UK and people from France and people from Bermuda and, you know, they're coming back to see Main Street, to see where where Samuel Clemens tread, where, you know, the author author came from. So my favorite memory, though, and this is in the book, too, is the Mark Twain dinette because they have the special root beer that they sell. And when I was a kid, I mean, up through the 70s and early 80s, you could sit at your your booth and order by phone. So uh, you ordered and the waitress took the order and then brought it to your table. But I still go there for the Made Right Burgers, which is the loose meat hamburger with the onions on, on oh, the buns. Yeah. Small. Oh, I so hear good. that's good. Every time I was working on the book, I would go sit at a two-top table by the riverboat model and I kept getting the same server. So after the book was done, I came back, I brought her a book and gave it to her. I'm like, here, there's nice. another. <laughs> well, I remember going there as a kid and we all did the uh, 
Tom Sawyer paint the fence. Oh, which yeah. The, the, the fence is still there. Yes, yes, it is. And every July 4th during National Tom Sawyer Days, it gets painted. And there are Tom and Becky. So there are, I believe, four sets of Tom and Becky's chosen each year and they get a scholarship. But as an eighth grader, you audition to be Tom or Becky. And then if you were chosen, you represent them. So like I said, Aaron's going to perform for us at the country club with my tour group. But when we arrive, a Tom and Becky couple will be there and they will do a scene from the book and let people take pictures with them. And on November 30th, I'm going to be doing Author Day on Channel 4, and I will have the straw hat and the paintbrush and the buckets to celebrate to celebrate Mark Twain's birthday. Oh, and what is that date? November 30th on Channel 4. Yeah, it's Mark Twain's birthday. So I'll be I'll be on there with the straw hat and the paintbrush, which I never did any of that as a kid. <laughs> Ironically and interestingly. Uh-huh. Um, I have a confession to make. I've never been there. See, this is the perfect day trip, Lynn. It's two hours away, easy driving, up 61. Just take 40 or 70 to 61. and I, be I in the keep hearing this because I want to go to the Bluff City, Bluff City Theater. Yes. Theater. I, get, I have so many people who are at the Bluff City Theater, and I always think, I'm going to take a trip up and see their show. Yes. And then the pandemic hit and kind of... No, but that is definitely on my things to do is the Hannibal trip. So I'm going to use your book as a resource. This is a very slim guide, which I think it's not one of those cumbersome books. And you would be able to um, uh, uh, learn a lot through your thing because yours is a walking tour, which I like because, you know, it's fun to walk around towns. And, and don't tell anybody you can drive in your car if you want to on the big ones. What? I know, Carl. I, that, that's a secret. That's an author secret. But but well, I have I, to I, go ahead. I said I my heart was warmed when I was talking to Christy Trevathan, who she had a guy come visit her that had lived in Hannibal and he loved the book. And he's like, I've got to have a copy of it. Cause he he lived there for like 20 years and he was really happy with the stuff I put in it. So I felt good about that. Well it is, it's, it's a nice it's a nice little town. Yeah, and uh, she has all these places that you would never uh, think about. And there's some sort of lighthouse? Yes. The new one. The new one just got put in, and that's I believe it's the third one, and it is beautiful. And can you read the name of the, the people that did the, that let me use their photo, the flying squirrel? <laughs> flying squirrel aeronautics, I think, is the name of their company. Oh, that's hilarious. And they do, so So out in the rural areas, it's a big deal to have a drone shot or a shot from a helicopter or a plane of your farm. So he did all of these shots of Hannibal. He did the lighthouse lit up, he and his wife. And then she had done a special, I believe for, I think it was Smithsonian. And I got to use a photo of hers for the Huck Finn replica house. Because of course, Huck Finn never had a house to live in. They always rented. So they, they built one and said, this is what it should have looked like. But anyway, they were great. And he was so happy I used his pictures. And they're they're wonderful photographs because they have the big picture in the wall, the Mark Twain dinette showing the riverboat at night. Oh, yeah. It's courtesy of Dave and Paula Herner, Flying Squirrel Aerial Optics. Is that a great name or what? That is a great name. And uh, is there paddle wheels that you can visit or you just look at them from afar? 
Well, the Mark Twain Riverboat runs three times a day. And Captain Steve Terry, his mom went to high school with my mom. And he and his wife, Sandy, are still running it. And it's such a beautiful boat. It's in really wonderful condition. And they also do dinners. Like I take my tour groups to do a dinner. And it's so much more scenic than St. Louis. St. Louis is where the real working part of the Mississippi is. Hannibal has the barges, but it's still scenic and beautiful and trees right up to the bank. And you can just imagine, you know, two two boys on a raft floating around, whereas in St. Louis, you think they would get mowed down. So it's a very, very big difference. And then you also, so we, go ahead, Carl. Oh, no, we want to thank Reedy Press, who is your publisher. Where can you get the book? We have not said that yet. Where in book it's in bookstores and it's in select stores, but where online can people get it? You can get it at my website, are we there yet? Dia.com. You can get it at readypress.com. You can get it at Amazon or wherever you buy books. A lot of the independent bookstores are selling them. If you drive to Hannibal, you can buy it in Java Jive Coffee Shop. You can buy it at the Mark Twain Riverboat gift shop. You can buy it at the Mark Twain Museum. So it is around. I had Barnes and Noble and Ledoux even had it. They they had it out for me. So, and when I signed my books in Hannibal, it was kind of crazy. Over fifty percent of the people were from St. Louis, and they had no idea I'd written the book. And I said, "Well, what are you doing in Hannibal?" And they said, "We just wanted to get out for a day trip." They were there for Pumpkin Palooza. So I think it's yeah. I think it's a great family gift. That Mark Twain Museum has a full size boat inside. Yes. Yes. And you can, you can pull, pull the bell and you can just pretend like you're staring at the stern wheel. It's fantastic. Cause that that gallery is new. You know, you always had the boyhood home down the street. And then when they put that gallery in, that was a whole, whole other level. Well, I enjoy looking at houses and there's a lot of gilded age mansions that you point out. And you also point out the residents of uh, many women that are known for doing things. So kudos to you about that. Well, that's who I, you know, I would like to know about. And if I was, and you know, I, I look at this as a book for middle schoolers and beyond, and I think it's a great homeschool resource. And I think I want to, I want to see all sides of the story, people of color that live there and women that live there and men, everybody, not just who, you know, history's always plucked out. And I was very excited to find so many people to showcase like Lena, Lena Sullivan, who is, who also was Irish and grew up and went to Chicago, saw the slums, and she became a big union organizer. She, I mean, and who knew? Nobody really knew about that. I, I really dug around and talked to a lot of people. It was exciting to find that. And and people who, you know, really did hard things. That's, that's who I want to showcase, people who did hard things and live to tell about it. Yeah, well, that's- Yeah, a, I want to- Oh, go ahead, Lynn. No, I was going to say, that's a very unique perspective, and I appreciate it. Carl, what were you going to say? Well, see, everyone, every time I'm stepping on people, normally Lynn and I can see each other. And nor, and since I'm driving, I can't see them because my eyes are on the road. And so I'm sorry. I apologize for stepping on everyone. But Dia, as a travel conductor, as it were, travel you know, tour guide, what are you and your other tour guides and travel directors saying about Bob Iger stepping in? for Bob Chapik at Disney. Do you think that's a good I, thing or, or a, I just or read that. different? I just read that yesterday. I, and we just, my husband and I just wrapped up finishing the offer 
showing all the politics around making the Godfather and Paramount. And that's all I could think of with Disney. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Um, I, I don't know. I was very stunned and I don't know that that was the right decision to make, but that's why I'm an entrepreneur and I don't work in corporate America. I, <laughs> I do what I think is right and I can make it happen. That's what I, I mean, I don't make the big money. I don't have the big house. I don't have the fancy car, but I feel good here in my heart and all the decisions that I make. And, and I was, I was pretty stunned by that, that they would just do that. Well, apparently well, wall street's loving it. And what they call Disney adults, the Disney adults have taken to social media and become very vocal. And normally you don't see that, right, Carl? Because Carl would be a Disney adult, wouldn't you, Carl? I have, I have lots of friends that work at Disney. And one of them yesterday sent me something that some somebody else sent them. You know, they have those buttons that say, I'm celebrating. Yes. Bottom, I'm celebrating Bob Iger returning. Really? Okay. So yeah, that's because good uh, well, Bob Chapik said he was going to start firing people. Oh and, God! And then a week later, Bob Iger is back. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that there won't be a hiring freeze and things won't, you know, pare down. But I was just wondering, someone in the tourism industry, you have feelings about going to Disney? Well, we have customers who take their grandkids to Disney. And right. Disney is the experience. And I will use them as an example because when I sold cars at Saturn back in the 90s, Saturn developed their entire program uh, after using Disney. And the same thing with Titanic. So if you go to the Titanic museums, they they use the, the Disney way, which I think is excellent. <laughs> and I think that's what they got to hang on to. That's what they've got to do. And if you don't have the people working for you that are passionate about following you, then it's, it's going to be a problem. So I, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens. We have a friend, excuse me, in Orlando that works on roller coasters. Is so he working on the Tron? Is he working on the Tron one right now? Uh, she is not that I oh, know of. But she, we always sorry. To, yeah, she, she gets, she sends the Christmas card. And you can tell she's an engineer. It gives all the statistics of the family, <laughs> what they've done, where they've been. So yeah, I'll have to have to ask her what, what she's thinking. But I'm glad to hear that people are glad that Bob Iger's back. So if they're happy, then that's, that's good. Yes, it's a big deal, apparently, according to all my variety alerts. And my friend who owns stock said, with Chapek, it had been in the toilet. <laughs> so well, she... it had been in the toilet since the pandemic started when they didn't have any revenue streams because the parks were closed. Yeah. And then also the whole thing with Ron DeSantis was bad and uh, all sorts of things. And then um, after they really tanked, it's so unusual for Disney to uh, have such um, like not hit their marks. And uh, Chapik was uh, cheerful or not too. He struck too cheery and optimistic of a tone and people thought he was tone deaf. And then all of a sudden. The savior's back. Well, Dia, I didn't want to put you on the spot. I just wanted your professional opinion. Well, I think the other thing that, you know, you're talking about losing the revenue stream like we all did. And I think Disney's going to make it back, not with just their parks, but they have a very, very well-developed tour and cruise business. They just got an eighth ship. 
And, and just, I tell people, you can go on Disney as an adult and never see a kid. The kids move yep. through the tunnels in the ship. There's adults only dining room, adults only pools. And I think that is excellent because cruising, you know, it's a race to the bottom on pricing. And if you're, you're on the cheapest cruise, then you may be on the cheapest ship with the cheapest food and the unhappiest staff. So I always tell people, I, you know, use, use who you think is going to give you a good experience. Cause you're going to be on there for seven to 10 days. And I know that Disney will give you a good experience. And the only thing that differentiates a uh, Disney cruise from every other cruise is Disney does not have casinos on their boats. Which I think is fantastic. I mean, you know, it's, we have casinos all around here, but that's usually a big money generator. And that's why the other cruise companies discount so deeply to get you on there to throw your money other places. Well, their, their eighth ship, which actually come, they were planning on their seventh ship, but the Disney treasure is the next one that's going to come out. But this new ship that they bought from this company that went bankrupt actually might come out before the seventh ship. So the eighth ship might come out before the seventh ship because it's already halfway built. So and it's going to be bigger. It was going to be eight thousand. but I think Disney's going to retrofit it to be six thousand, which will be a huge ship for them. And that ship was scheduled to be uh, going to Asia. So maybe Disney might keep that plan and have an Asian ship. So it will be interesting in the next couple of years. I also am interested to see how people are going to respond to cruising. We're doing river cruises. We just did an incredible river cruise on the Douro River from Lisbon to, to uh, Porto, Porto in Portugal. And we only had 81 people and people love that. And when you're saying 6,000 people, that's twice as large as the town I grew up in. And that's just... I passengers not even the crew right so i'm going to be interested to see how people respond but i think disney would be the first one they would choose because they trust them if something goes sideways you know and they trust that they really are disinfecting and they trust that they really are you know making sure that people aren't sick that are working on the ship so i think there's a lot of a lot of trust there as well and that they, if they use it and don't get caught and don't become the next news headline well they were doing they had sand hand sanitizers in 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 front of every restaurant way before the pandemic because they there were uh, shipborne cruises and they there were viruses going around so they've had those for at least 10 years before we had a pandemic well the other cruise companies had started doing that too because of the rotavirus i mean they would get that vi the viruses the norovirus is what it was and I mean, right. that was the biggest fear on the ship. I was handing out hand sanitizer on my tours five years before the pandemic too, because I searched and searched for a hand sanitizer that was refillable. So we didn't throw, have to throw all the plastic away when it was done. And and I think that people were behind if they, they weren't doing that. You know, you're just around all those people. And when I get on a cruise ship, I a big one, I spray everything with Lysol every day. <laughs> all the hard services <laughs> in my room. But I haven't, I, and I don't know, you know, Carl, I don't know if we're going to do big cruises anymore. I think I well, think that's going to be to be seen if people are willing to buy them. Are there overnight cruises in Hannibal? So that's what I was speaking about. The tour guides, um, Aaron Kelly's a tour guide with Gail Rubley and uh, and Monty. So American Cruise Lines, their ships stop here in St. Louis, Hannibal. I go all the way up to St. Paul. American wow. cruise ships, they do the same. And so Viking just started doing the same as well. So now there's three cruise lines doing the Mississippi River. And that's a boon. You know, that <clears throat> the biggest issue is people eat on the ship, though. So they come off for an hour or two. Um, 
don't do as much as you would hope as someone being in one of the towns because Bar Harbor, Maine's been having that struggle with the big cruise ships on the coast. Like it's hard on their infrastructure and the people, you know, don't even necessarily stay and eat or do something. So they do stop. You can overnight and, and stay in Hannibal. But if you want to drive in your car, you can stay at many bed and breakfast. And Bob Yap, who's originally from Kirkwood, who's one of the top restoration, historic preservation, carp, carpenters, restoration, he is in Hannibal and he teaches classes and has people come into Hannibal to learn how to restore old homes. And his bed and breakfast, his, well, his wife's Pat's bed and breakfast is the Belvedere. But if you know the name Bob Yap, that's where they chose to live. He said two hours from an airport so he could fly to teach his classes. It's a small town, but active and historic and lots of lots of homes with good bones. You are a font of information about tours and uh, 2023 booking up fast. Uh, we have been booked up for the end of this year for three months. And yes, it is booking up fast. And we are, we had our travel show where we only invited people that had been with us the last two years and had 75 people come, which was, that's big for us. And we've already got people signing up for Italy and Sicily in October. We're running Portugal. That's piggybacking. So I just had lunch with one of my customers. She's going to do both tours and we're just going to stay a couple days in between and do the second one, do Italy, Sicily, then do Portugal. Um, we've got our Western parks tour going out to Glacier that selling. Yeah. It's just, people are ready to go and I'm just holding my breath. Like I always do hoping the other shoe does not fall. I anticipated the economy crashing, but I didn't anticipate a pandemic. So <laughs> I'm just hoping there's nothing else out, out there that I have not anticipated, but we made it out, made it on the other side and I became an author. So yeah, my next book is going to be Herman, a walk through history. So I'm hitting the H's. That's what I was going to ask you. I was going to say, what's your next one? Because you're always working on something. Every time I talk to you, you are working on another project. So Herman, <laughs> such a delightful city. Did you see the play at the Actors Studio about the author? It was the last one at the end of the season. And William Ross' character said, I don't like writing. I like having written. Yeah. That's how I feel. I like I like having written. Yes. But I still do so the are, writing. Are you are you drinking a lot of wine while you're in Herman? Always. Always. When we take a tour group, we always have at least one wine tasting. And you can have wine with lunch. And Herman has so much happy because the Deerbergs, not the grocery store Deerbergs, the, the brother that started First Bank, you know, he bought that bank in 1971 so that he and Mary could go back and forth. And I mean, they have dumped Brinks trucks loads of money on Herman. They have the Deerberg uh, heritage farm. They're raising Shire horses, which are, you know, what Clydesdales were bred from the black ones with the white markings instead of being red with white. They've got their own Hermanhof winery. Then you have Herman Hill winery, which is separate. There's like 140 places to stay in Herman and it's got a population of 2,500 people. It's yes. I've been there. Uh, I've been there only twice. <clears throat> and the last time was a wedding right after the pandemic kind of lifted and we could socialize again. And at this wedding, I forget where it was in Herman, but it was a very rural road with no phone service. So your GPS didn't work. So God help you trying to find where this place was. Anyway, just note to self about Herman, GPSs might not be working in certain areas, but, um, what I enjoyed was this was a very lovely place, but this was everybody. This was May 2021. People were like, this is the first time I'm wearing 
heels since a year and a half. This is the first time I'm wearing makeup. This is the first time I've dressed up. This is the first time. Nobody knew how to act. It was so weird because everybody had been at their house for 18 months. And so this was this wedding was so much fun to get back at. But I noticed because, you know, us old people, we leave, you know, before it gets really crazy. Um, But the uh, the new things I noticed at this wedding was the bar staff and servers will take Venmo. The bar staff, if you uh, want to tip at the bar, they now take Venmo if you don't have cash, which I find hilarious and interesting and practical. And then also, when you haven't talked to anybody for any length of time in a social setting, and you spend three hours catching up with people at an event, that's exhausting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's it, crazy. It, things, things that you notice after the pandemic, the first social thing you go to, don't you remember how like, this is exhausting talking to people. <laughs> and as an extrovert, I'm like, give me more, give me more. <laughs> But it was it was just fine, you know, like I left at 930 and I drove back to St. Louis and uh, it was like going through St. Charles County is like the pandemic wasn't even there. It was hilarious, you know, like the quick trip was wide did, open. Remember when quick trips didn't have fountain sodas or donuts or anything? Remember, I'm trying to think like now we're in we're in the after days. But the before time, but the during, all this stuff that we took for granted wasn't around. Except where, well, you go to St. Charles County stuff. So I've uh, detoured on the trips. But uh, do you take a group to St. Charles for the for the Christmas days? Christmas traditions? Yeah, I have done that for a long time. We didn't do it this year, but we'll probably do it next year. And we eat, we go old school sometimes and eat at Pio's. Do you ever eat at Pio's uh, on First Capital? It is an Italian restaurant and the food is good. Best fried chicken, lasagna, manicotti. It's it's one of my favorites. Well, I have a lot of friends that perform in Christmas traditions. Do you? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure you know. Um, okay. Her name is leaving me. She worked at the rep and she, her husband, Randall, worked in, who is, Liana, Liana Kopchak. I do know. Do you know her? No. Okay. Mm -mm. Yeah. And she was, she, I knew her from the rep and she's very, very involved, but yeah, it's great. And, and people don't realize what a cool experience it is and how they dress up and they have, you know, trading cards of their character. Well, Ryan Cooper, who is in charge of the St. Charles special events, uh, he is Jack Frost. So Ryan Cooper is a St. Louis treasure, a national treasure, so to speak. And he worked at Disney, Carl, once upon a time. And nice. uh, anyway, he's back in St. Louis. Everybody Lisbon. did. And uh, yeah, so he's one of the funniest performers in all of St. Louis. So I encourage everybody, if you're going out to St. Charles, make sure you see Jack Frost. And uh, so Dia, we wish you the happiest of Thanksgiving. So happy that you get to be with your mother and relatives and your dear husband, Declan. And Carl's going to visit and pick up Maggie. I remember when the boys were in college and I would go pick them up and you would have them in the car captive for that length of time. 
from the university to home so they would be forced to talk to you about their lives. <laughs> you you forget about the uh, world of sleep, Lynn. So uh, I believe my child will be sleeping for the five <laughs> hours on the way home. Because my yeah, kid's a night owl and the day is for sleeping. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I can, I can, I can see that. But mine usually, you know, the minute they hit home, they threw the bags in and they'd be out with their friends. So the 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 trip back and forth is the time that you get to spend with them. In uh, and that's just always a pleasant memory to me. From that, I love but, your optimism. Yes, <laughs> we are taking we are taking our friend's son out to dinner because he graduated high school in May, and we were on tour and didn't get to come to his party like we did his older brother. And I'm an only child, but married to someone with a sibling, I realize love is a finite resource. <laughs> So, so we always, if we skip one of the, our friends, kids things, so we take them out to dinner. So we're taking, we're taking him out to lunch tomorrow at Favaza. So I'll be interested to hear about his, his uh, adventures at Mizzou. I wonder if he'll, he'll be talkative or he'll not. He'll spill I mean. the beans. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's just, it's just a, a very interesting uh, place to, to gather. Um, we're going to talk about new movies right now. So Dia, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to see anything, but did you see the original Knives Out movie? No, that is now, no. Well, if you, love, my... if you love mysteries and comedies, the Knives Out franchise is booming with its second movie, Glass Onion, which Carl and I saw last week. And I must say, it is pure entertainment fun. I can't. It's going to be. It's in theaters for one week, just one week in theaters, and then it'll be on Netflix, which was a surprise to everyone. Uh, starting on December twenty third, uh, it'll which is my birthday, which will be on Netflix. Now <laughs> this, I think. I mean, I liked the first one, and it got so much acclaim. But well, it's because I, of the cast. The cast is fantastic. But I love this one. This one. It's Ryan Johnson is a very big fan of Agatha Christie. And that's what this basically is. And he answers. It's so intricate. I didn't figure it out. Now, Carl figured out some things. I did not. I had such a good time putting the puzzles together, putting the pieces together. And if you go back, I'm going to have to watch it again. When you go back. They say that everything is all there, all the Easter eggs. He gives you Easter eggs and a lovely nod. He dedicates the movie to Angela Lansbury and Stephen Sondheim and not for their (laughs) musical theater prowess, but because of their uh, importance in the mystery gaming uh, uh, world, because Stephen Sondheim was known for his mystery murder mystery parties and his games. He had tons of games. He loved playing games. He wrote this movie called the last of Sheila, which didn't do so well, but it was a mystery, but uh, he was known for that. If you go back and read about his life and then Angela Lansbury, of course was Jessica Fletcher. And I got to see her. I got to see her and Broadway in gray gardens coming into her limo. I was like on the sidewalk and saw her getting into her limo. One of my favorite New York City moments. Very cool. It was. It was. 
and love Sondheim. Now, Lynn, you said I guessed, I didn't guess the mystery. I guessed one thing that made me enjoy it because I said that person, well, now I don't want to say what it is because it's spoilery, but not spoiler, but I figured something out early and then uh, I it, it, it actually helped me enjoy it more, but I didn't figure out the final mystery until the end like you're supposed to and the cast once again daniel craig returns and janelle monet is fantastic edward norton is a big doofus uh dave batista is good who else is in the who leslie isn't in the, leslie a, j odom uh jr leslie odom leslie jr. jr uh kate hudson uh, uh Catherine Hahn, uh and uh jessica fenwick and, and I love Janelle. Mo- I love Janelle Monet in this. So Janelle Monet is fantastic. And and also Daniel Craig. I thought he was too much Foghorn Leghorn in the first one, but I think he really settles into this role very well. And I uh, he you could just tell they were all having a blast. And the best part, besides the mystery being so tight and so well constructed. Well, there there are two mysteries, and he figures out the you the first mystery you get uh, you think that that's going to be the whole movie, and the first mystery gets solved in the first half hour. That's right, and then the name dropping because Edward Norton is this tech billionaire douche. Yeah, and he's a big douchebag, and he uh, name drops all the time. And it's hilarious. And everybody was laughing so hard at all these one-liners and qu- and quips and comebacks. And uh, this is a group of high school, not high school friends, college friends. And he did the best. He did, uh, you know, he went through the stratosphere. And so he gathers them all every year for these elaborate parties. And he has flown them to, well, not flown, but... Uh, they're on some sort of ship to Greece. And well, I guess they flew and then out to his island. They're on a boat and uh, they find out. They're, one of them, one of them is a governor who wants to be a senator. One of them is a social influencer. Another one is a model. Another one is a scientist. And they all have they're all very successful, but he is just more successful than the most of them. Yes. And then um, uh, you're all in awe of all his uh, his uh, creature comforts and he's extravagant and it's all this incredible glass, the glass uh, onion opulence. and all this. Yeah. And yeah, it's opulence and it's all this uh, ostentatious stuff. And so that's all this eye candy. And it's really funny. And because you're so overwhelmed with all the visual splendor and all the jokes and everything, you're ignoring a bunch of stuff that will come into play that the detective has noticed. And once he starts filling in everybody like like Hercule Perot would have done, it's hilarious because you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, we missed all of this. And and that's what's so fun is to be told what yeah. you missed, and it all makes sense. It's and just so enjoyable. 
I can't tell you. I think well, there might be in my top 10 this year because that's how fun it is. And the other, the previous one dropped later in the year too. And a lot of people forgot about it, but you should revisit the first one because the first one's fun as well. Well, didn't but he? But I do want to say one thing. There are two Beatles songs, including the title of the film. Oh, yeah. He had, yeah, yeah. Glass Onion from the White Album, of course. Yes. Is, is, but it's very shrewdly picked music. It's also um, the, the, the hippie slacker dude that's living there, too, Daryl. Yeah, that's, that's just odd. Yeah. <laughs> or Dale or whatever. But that's, that's what makes it fun. Yeah. So All right, Lynn, it, let's move on to your one of your favorite movies of the year so far. So it's yeah, it is. Um, I think Ryan Johnson wasn't he nominated for an Oscar for the last one for a screenplay? I think so. Screenplay, yes, yes, and I think so. I think definitely this is going to get some nominations. Uh, production Good. design alone, and the score is quite uh, interesting. And uh, Janelle Monet, I'd put her in the in the mix, but comedies don't tend to do so well. But uh, we'll, we shall see. But I think it's going to make a ton of money, like a block. Well, maybe not on Netflix. It's now. only in theaters for a week. Yeah, forget that. Scratch that. It's going to be beloved by the um, like as a popcorn movie. Okay, yeah. Lynn. Let's talk about. Let's talk about. Did you go see Fablemans? I did. Uh, okay, I think I had too high of expectations. and Because uh, the pedigree? Yes. And the subject matter and the uh, it won the audience award at Toronto. And afterwards, yeah. it's very mixed reaction. Uh, afterwards, uh, J.C. Corcoran said to me, he was there last night, Carl, um, he said, uh, how could Spielberg make such a dull movie? Well, he wrote it. That's that. This is this his first like soul thing? Well, Tony Kushner wrote it, too. So but this is based on his life. This is based on his. And why life. isn't it called the Spielbergs? I don't know, because it's semi autobiographical. OK, it's, it's not totally autobiographical. The best scene in the whole movie, which I'm going to nominate for the best scene award. Uh, I'm not, I can't even tell you because it's this brilliant cameo. And uh, that is when the movie really uh, crystallizes is the, the, the big less hilarious scene. But um, the acting in this is exceptional. Michelle Williams plays his mother, Mitzi. Paul Dano plays his dad, who is a genius uh, comp uh, engineer. He is an engineer that comes up with things and is a genius. And he moves this, the family from New Jersey to Arizona. And then he just keeps, because he's so brilliant, he just keeps getting these promotions. And he gets promoted... Um, to he starts off with RCA and then he winds up with IBM in California, and none of the family want to move to California, and 
uh, Sam Fableman, who is a nerd uh, on athletic kid, has to go to this high school in California where he uh, where he is bullied and the anti-Semitism comes through because these are all uh, affluent white kids, uh, Christian. And uh, so his high school years seem to go on forever. And it's your standard outsider text. And the mom is, and um, Paul Dano, they have a best friend named Benny, who is Seth Rogen. And if you saw Spielberg on CBS this morning, on Sunday morning, CBS Sunday morning, you will know about his parents. But it's well known that his parents got divorced because he included that in E.T. And people talk about that really affected his life, that his parents were divorced. And his mother uh married or was his mother was having an affair with the dad's best friend so this is all public <laughs> knowledge i'm not sharing anything so it's seth rogan as benny and then uh the kid sammy and it's the whole family reaction to this because he was always included in all the family meals Jeannie berlin is hilarious as the the a Jewish mother that is disapproving of um of uh, Paul Dano's wife Michelle and her cooking and all that stuff. Anyway, it's very much a mom cooking breakfast and talking to the kids kind of movie. It's Sammy being wowed at greatest show on earth and trying to duplicate the train crash with his new set, and uh, he starts making movies in the Boy Scouts. And that's all well and good. I do think it's very hard to show a creative mind on screen. And I do think it's this dichotomy of he had this normal childhood sort of. He had this, you know, he had a leave it to beaver childhood. And and so there's no, the, the conflicts that they drum up with the bullying and the anti-Semitism and the, um, the, they try to make this case where, the mom is an artist and she wants Sammy to be this artist, uh, filmmaker. And then the dad thinks maybe he should be in practical things like he's scientist. And so the art versus science, but it's not a really legit argument. And everybody knows how successful Spielberg got. And it's, it's the years from like early to like 18 that's what the movie covers. Oh, so uh, it doesn't like ha it, he's not doing even dual. No, he gets he gets a shot at a studio, which is at the end because he's telling his dad how he wants to quit college and get a job at a studio. And this so is no yes, dual, and this no is the jaws, second. Nothing. This is the second uh, narrative I've seen this year where Hogan's Heroes plays a big part of it. But I will say, I think people were disappointed. Robert, uh, Bob. Bob Crane. Yeah, Bob Crane. It's so, yeah, it's so weird. Anyway, he gets a job at on the CBS studios lot, like an assistant to an assistant to an assistant to an assistant kind of job. And that's, you know, but I'm going to end it that way. But it's got the best cameo of the year. 
and and that's the best scene at the end. So really, it's just about parents breaking up and people coming of age. But he's Spielberg. So I don't know. I was underwhelmed. Alex said, this movie didn't do anything for me. I'm like, I think I'm disappointed, but I think I had too high of expectations. I don't think there's anything in this movie that isn't in any other kind of movie. Does that make sense? I don't think it has anything unique about it. Right. The new Disney film, Strange World, is trying to be very inclusive. And one of somebody I know that saw the movie is one of the most inclusive and liberal, socially liberal persons that I've seen. And even that person said, wow, that was a lot. Because you have, in Strange World, you have the, of course, you have the mother-father dynamic, of course. Uh, in this one, there's an interesting twist on it. But uh, you have an interracial couple, you have a disability on a pet, and you have a gay relationship, which should be normalized, but all three of them in a Disney movie, there are going to be a lot of people that are not happy with this movie. So it stars Dennis Quaid and Jake Gyllenhaal as a father and son explorer team. And there is a twist in this movie. You don't consider Disney movies to have a major twist. And I think this movie is very cute, very well written, very smart. Shades of Dr. Seuss in it. But I am afraid to say much about this movie because of what you can discover. It is a bunch of animation that is very experimental. You thought Soul had experimental imagination. This is a strange world on another planet. And therefore, um, it's an alien world. And so it's going to have a whole bunch of alien creatures, which... I think the animators probably had a lot of fun creating. Uh, the story is that one day the explorer and his son, his son is named Searcher, played by Jake, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, he goes off in search of finding the other side of the mountain. And Dennis Quaid continues, and Searcher stays back and finds a new power source for the world. And so there are statues for both of them in the town squares. One because of exploring, one because of science. And then Jabuki Young-White plays Searcher's son, and he wants—he doesn't want to be on the farm. He wants to be an explorer like his grandfather. And so they find things on this strange world, and it is an alien planet. And I think I might have already said too much. All right. And I don't know how much of that you heard. No, we heard it all. Um, I'm intrigued because I missed it. And uh, <laughs> I, I will not. I do think it looks visually stunning as all Disney animation is these days. I wasn't as sold about the story as I am about other things. I was still making the case for Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers last night. With right. somebody who had with an adult who has grandkids who hadn't seen it yet. And I was like, oh, my God, 
you have to see this. But there's something about being, um, I've heard from another critic about this movie who thought that it was uh, practically indoctrination. That is the word. Uh that it should used. be no, it, uh, so, things like this should be normal and gabrielle union plays the mom so of course jake gyllenhaal and gabrielle union would have a beautiful child in the form of jabuki young white who is a young gay black man so they hired appropriate so i i don't think it should be that big of a deal but i guarantee people are going to make a big deal about it yes because this is 2022 and this is the way the world is. But uh, uh, I think if you're environmentally minded, it's a good thing. And if you are a fan of Disney animation, but I do think that the social message is going to take, it's going to rub some people the wrong way and other people will embrace it just like the world is right now. So Yeah, but they're aliens. It doesn't, they're not black or white people or and I, I and I said that right because they're not African Americans because they're not in America. They're on another planet. They're aliens. They're not black or white. They are and Dennis Quaid when he finds out his grandson's gay doesn't make a big deal about it. In fact he's happy for him because you know what? On that planet it's not a big deal. And so when it's not a big deal on that planet, it shouldn't be a big deal on this planet. Well we all agree, but uh, we're not the we're not going to be buying the tickets. So we'll see how this <laughs> goes because it's in theaters. Uh, what did you think of Disenchanted, Carl? I still haven't watched it yet. I had the choice of watching Disenchanted or A Christmas Story Christmas. And what do you think of that? One was twenty minutes short. I I thought it was very cute and very in line with the original. I I liked it. Well, so did I. I just thought it had a lot more charm. At first, I thought, uh-oh. But then once it kicks into going into, uh, you know, into Indiana and uh, uh, going back because the dad died and Julie Haggerty is the mom and then all the people from the all grown up from the original and uh, just uh, uh, the, the kids are cute, but also have some really good zingers. And then I just thought it tied it all up very well. I did. And uh, I still find it amazing that they filmed it in Hungary and Bolivia. Yeah. And uh, Peter Billingsley was on a talk show and was talking about how it took 12 years to make the original. Nobody wanted to make it. And uh, when it first came out, which I saw at a local theater and there was hardly anybody in there, it did not take off. And then it wasn't until video. And he said he was at a video store in Phoenix and uh, renting the film. And there was a, a cutout of him from a Christmas story. And he said something to the clerk and people, and he said, Oh, people can't get enough of this movie. They're, they are running, uh, okay. they're renting it. Yeah. Renting it all the time. And then the marathon on TBS started. And how many years has that been? That's been like 29 years, something like that. That's been the longest marathon on television, but people have great, I thought it it answered the nostalgia question a lot, the new movie, 
It had, you know, sure, it's going to be cheesy, but just like when you see Scott Farkas and stuff like that, which I'm not going to, uh, you know, spoil, but it's just the funny little bits that they added are very cute. And I like that they said it in 1973. And, now, oh, uh, I found a mistake in that. I, I, I there when he's reading the obituaries, somebody died the next year. Somebody dies in 1974. And I said, the calendar says 1973. Why does this newspaper article say 1974? Oh, that pissed me off. That was that's lazy filmmaking, Lynn. Yes, indeed. But I'm just so happy it had a newspaper. <laughs> well, okay, so one, the one the one obituary said died 1974. The next one said that they died that day. I'm like, oh, well, someone someone in continuity did not do their job. No, but they had such lovely touches, like when he's in the attic and he opens the box and there's the pink uh, bunny pajamas. I thought he was going to put that on one of his kids, and he didn't. Yeah, and uh, Peter Billingsley said that he has that from the original, and he has the BB gun, because uh, they took, the, you know, they... Uh, Which also they makes filmed- an appearance in the film. Yes. And also, um, he said that they worked on this for four years. He and his best friend, Vince Vaughn, produced this and they worked on this particular movie for four years to get it right. And they really worked hard to get it right. And I think they do. And uh, he just talked about, you know, everybody was just talking about um, um uh, just how much affection they have for it. So I actually talked to somebody last night that isn't a fan. I was like, how do you not be a fan? But I get it. Everybody's got their own Christmas shows. So I have right. not dug into the other Christmas shows yet. Uh, D, are you a fan of, um, Dia, are you a fan of like the Hallmark Channel? Or Well, you- so I want to hop back to the Christmas story. Have you all been to the Christmas story house in Cleveland, Ohio? No, it's yeah, it's weird. The cl- the house is in Ohio, but it's supposed to take place in Indiana. And Carl, one of my very good friends who's in her 70s, she and her husband grew up in Indiana. And she was the one who told me when the Christmas story became a play and was at the rep that like that was their childhood. Everything in that movie was like was like how it was. So it really meant a lot more to me. And when you go to the house that they used for the for filming right in cleveland you find out they didn't the actors didn't make any money no not royalties. no they didn't, that's why they show it all the time because it's free like the the tv stations don't have to pay any money for it and so it's really kind of sad i mean it's such a big hit but it flopped when it came out because i remember that i was a kid oh yeah when it came out, teenager, yeah but it, cult classic now well, it also like it came out in july yeah. yeah, it did come out in uh, and uh, Peter Billingsley said they didn't know when it was, you know, really going to come out because it's it just it just uh, set. But he said they didn't have hardly any money. And so it was like all extras. And this and the town of Cleveland let uh, the, their lights stay on the Christmas lights so they could use that. So it was very low budget. They just uh-huh. scraped by with what they could get. And uh yeah, that's how it was like takes a village. So Cleveland's very proud of it. And he talked well, about that house is for sale in Cleveland right now. Yes. 
Yes, Carl, I just looked that up. They do have it for sale. They'd still let you spend the night in it. That was a big add-on they did when it became the museum or, you know, an attraction. You can actually overnight in it if you want. But yeah, it is for sale right now. But I don't know. You know, the church over here in Clifton Park that got turned into a bed and breakfast has been for sale for two years. So it may be eternally for sale. Wow. Well, uh, that's but I'm uh, so glad. I'm so glad to hear. I love Vince Vaughn. I, I've always ever since Swingers. Well, Liz, did you see John anything Hurst. else? Yeah, Vince Vaughn is 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 awesome. But the fact that he and Peter Billingsley are best buddies that cracks me up all the time. Me, frickin' yeah. frack, right? Totally. Yeah. Totally yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. And Peter Billingsley's fair, fairly short because he was on the talk, well, and they're all giant people. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and well, Aaron. Aaron Hayes is taller than he is. Yeah, and she's good too. I thought the cast was fine. Julie Haggerty was a hoot as the mom replacing Melinda Dillon. And uh, I just think she she's so perfect for that. So I made the mistake of watching an Amazon original called People We Hate at the Wedding because it dropped on Friday and it had Allison Janney and Ben Platt and Kristen Bell. And I thought, okay. Uh, from the trailer it didn't look good but how bad could it be with those people so it's bad it's terrible it is one of my f movies of the year it is they're horrible people you have to watch i'm so tired of watching horrible people for two hours i mean come on and sure they get their little you know comeuppance and all that kind of redemption kind of stuff. But to start out, I mean, it's just very misguided, a terrible script. Those people, I just think, what are you doing in this movie? And they're spoiled. Brat oh, Allison Janney's okay. She's, you know, it's just, she's of all, she's got like a page in Wikipedia on her awards only that's how many awards she has in her life. And this one is far from, this will be like a Razzie uh, for the movie, but um, Ben Platt plays this uh, gay brother and, uh, and then uh, he's got relationship issues. And then Kirst Kristen Bell is a woman who's having an affair with her married boss that has a baby at home. So they're leading her to be lovely a, people. Yeah, lovely people. And their sister, uh, Allison Janney, was married to a French guy that was incredibly wealthy, but then he um, did something with the babysitter, so she left him, and then she married just a normal guy in the Midwest and they had two kids, Chris, um, Christian Bell and um, Allison Paul. And so over in England, the other, the little girl grows up in wealth and she always came to the Midwest for summers doing miniature golf and eating Taco Bell and stuff. So they all go over to England for her wedding and they're all mad at her for like, you know, being rich but she pays for everything for them. So they're, they're staying in, you know, they have all this opulence at their feet and she's bending over backwards and they're in all these high society type of uh, situations and they're just crude and rude and awful. And they blurt out unfiltered things that make them look like total hoojois and brats. 
And I was just like, I had to turn this off. And then I had to go back to it. And I didn't want to go back to it. But I thought, well, if you're reviewing it, you have to see it. So I forced myself to watch uh, the last of it. And I just was like, there's no reason this movie exists. Well, I'm glad I didn't see it then. And I will not watch it. No, you know, sometimes you just want a palate cleanser. All right, Lynn, I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Well, thank you. I, I, uh, I'm looking forward and to it. We're having that's the coast, not it. We're having the coast to coast Zoom call on Sunday with my sister's family in L.A., my sister in South Carolina, and my New England relatives, and uh, my son in New York. And uh, everybody else, we're having all on the Zoom, the Coast to Coast Zoom on Sunday night. So thank God for Zoom. So Dia, what, what's your favorite thing to make at, at Thanksgiving? I like to eat pecan pie <laughs> with dark caro syrup. <laughs> and I will be at the Illusionists on Saturday night at the Fox. Oh, I will be there too. I want to hear. I want I'll to hear about the Illusionists. Are you going to be there at eight o'clock? Yeah, I'll be there. I'm in the Fox Club, though, because I bought tickets because I didn't think close up magic would work at the Fox. And when I saw them last time, I said, I want to see them again. It was a oh, very good show. Wasn't hmm. it? It was such a good show a couple of years ago. I loved it. I just loved it. And so, yeah, I'm going Saturday night at eight o'clock and I'll see you. I'm seeing a Christmas Carol at the rep on Friday night for the um, the annual thing. And then I'm going to a production on Sunday afternoon because theater's ramping up. I want to give two shout outs. Taylor Grunlow, our, 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 we've had him as a guest. He's a local playwright. His Tesseract Theater Company is doing a leap of faith and presenting a musical. And it's called Ordinary Days. And if you need something to do this holiday weekend, I recommend it. It's for, uh, as they say, young folk. Uh, Gen Z to millennials and um, they are uh, navigating New York. It's called Ordinary Days. I had never heard of it, but they have really good voices and Tesseract and Taylor is worthy of our support. So check out Tesseract Theater Company website. And then also um, Jennifer, Jennifer Thebe Quinn that we had on last week starts her run The 12 Dates of Christmas at Westport this weekend. Yes, and if you want to go see that, I have a promo code that I'm giving out to all of my my travelers and people following me for my book. Put in my name, D-E-A, and then said, S-A-I-D, and you will get a buy one, get one ticket. So Dia said to go see that play. <laughs> 12 days of Christmas. So use the Dia said promo code and oh, have wonderful. a good time at Westport. Well, wonderful. I'm not seeing it till mid-December, but Carl, are you going? He didn't hear. Hey, Carl, what was last night like at the Blues with the with the uh, Central Performing Arts Visual Arts uh, ceremony? It was very moving, and the game was very tense until the very end. Seven wins in a row. Yes, and then they play Buffalo in Buffalo. Wow, they had seventy-seven inches of snow. And in one in one area yeah, they, of Buffalo, I, they don't they know if they're going to get in. Yeah, in one area of Buffalo, they had eighty one. That's where the Bills Stadium is. That area, 
81, but 77 inches. And it snowed for three days. Yeah. So hopefully the Blues can get in and out and win and then leave. Well, enjoy your guns and hoses. Mr. Blue Sky, our friend Jeff Faulkner, uh, they are having the biggest show um, at Delmar Hall on Wednesday night. That should be good. I love ELO. Yeah. All right. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm going to get out of here. Okay, Carl. And good enjoy. To see you. you can see Carl or you can read Carl on the socials. He's on Instagram and Twitter. At underscore Carly and Turk. I'm uh, Lynn Van House on all the socials plus KTRS every Thursday night after the 10 p.m. news with Ray Hartman only this week because of Thanksgiving. I am on Wednesday after the 10 p.m. news, but you can get me on the SoundCloud under Ray Hartman shows on KTRS and I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times and uh, website poplifestl.com and D, where can we find you? Find me at STL Tour Girl. I may have to change that to Tour Lady someday, but STL <laughs> Tour Girl. And then on Facebook under Are We There Yet and Discover St. Louis pages, as well as STL Scavenger. And I hope I maybe will see you in St. Louis on the road in Hannibal. So thanks for having me, Lynn and Carl. This is always such a fun time. It is always a pleasure. And I wish you all the best. And I hope to see you before the new year, but happy 2023. Take care, everybody. Have a blessed Thanksgiving and uh, hope that uh, you at least get to enjoy it with some loved ones and family. Bye. Amen. Bye.